Chapter Seven of the Mikado Jewel by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Ferrard. Chapter Seven, The Garden of Sleep. After the turmoil of London and the excitements of that last uncomfortable week at the home of art, the peace and beauty and rural influences of Beckley were extremely pleasant patricia arrived with unsteady nerves and an unhappy feeling of unrest but after seven days in this somnolent corner of devonshire she regained her usual placidity of character although she was irish the girl by reason of her magnificent health escaped to a great extent those up in the air and down in the sea moods which characterized the celt as arthur had been taken to the island valley of avalon there to be healed of his grievous wound so patricia felt that she had been guided to this garden of sleep that her irritated nerves might be soothed and at the end of a week she was more convinced than ever that she had chanced upon a veritable paradise of rest which well deserved the name it is the garden of sleep thought patricia dreamily and here i shall rest until she paused at this point as her future could not be foretold in any way the girl found beckley to be a little fairy bay on the south coast of devonshire shut out from the world by high moorlands over which tourists rarely came where the rolling downs dipped to the sea there was a secluded nook a dimple on the face of natural beauty and here a quaint rambling old house of mellowed grey stone nestled close to a mighty cliff of red sandstone it was a quarter of a mile from the mansion to the yellow sands of the tiny beach and the fertile acres were covered with many trees the wood was partly wild and partly artificial and was threaded by dozens of paths narrow and broad these led unexpectedly to clearings rainbow-hued with flowers or to sylvan glades fit for the revels of titania and her elves although it was close upon christmas yet myriad flowers were in bloom and stately palms growing here and there gave a suggestion of tropical vegetation to the miniature forest the climate of this particular beauty spot was truly wonderful with almost constant warmth and sunshine and here again it resembled a villion lacking snow and hail and rain and the voice of wild destructive winds the ruddy cliff gathered the heat of many suns and poured it forth when the skies were clouded while the high moors screened this favoured paradise from the cutting north winds it is truly lovely said patricia as she strolled with mara through these gardens of alcinos day after day and found the same bland conditions prevailing i would not have believed that there was such a lovely spot in this cold grey england oh we have bad weather sometimes said mara in her soft low voice the skies grow cloudy and the sea grows very rough it rains too heavily at times but i don't think we have ever had snow or hail the cliff keeps us warm the two girls turned on the edge of the lawn where the woods began and looked upward at the mighty cliff which towered majestically above them like the tower of babel to mara who had dwelt beneath it for so long it looked like a kindly guardian giant 
who gave shelter and warmth to the favored acres at its base but patricia thought it looked frowning and menacing it looks as though one day it would fall and crush the house she said with a shiver for the hostility of the great mass of rock seemed certain mara smiled in her slow sad way it has stood there without falling since the world began i suppose she said wisely so i don't see why it should fall now you have come i suppose not yet patricia shivered again it makes me feel uncomfortable do you remember in child roland how the hills like giants at hunting lay watching the game at bay it looks to me like that but mara had not read browning and could not grasp the illusion she gazed at the vast lowering mass with affection for to her it was like a domestic hearth where she could warm herself after a time she turned and stared seaward towards the glistening sapphire waters which flashed in the pale winter sunshine through the woods a broad path was cut from the lawns surrounding the house to the smooth beach where the wavelets broke in gentle play to right and left of the bay were tall cliffs similar to that which guarded the mansion and these ended in bold headlands some distance out on one side and the other rising gently and greenly the vast spaces of the moorlands swept grandly away to the heights above and in their cup was the solitary mansion muffled in its warm woods in spite of the lateness of the season the air was moist and heated as if the red cliff was clasping the home of the colpsters to its gigantic breast but how do you get food here asked patricia suddenly when she saw that mara did not speak are there any villages about two on the moorlands and one on the way to hendle where the railway stops ah yes patricia nodded i remember hendle and how i drove here with the squire down that winding road but it was so dark that i could see nothing on the way and since i have been in this place i have not explored the neighbourhood we can do so whenever you like said mara quietly but it will be best to wait until basil comes home next week he loves this place and knows every inch of the surrounding country doesn't mr dane know it also theodore oh yes in a way but he is like my father and is never so happy as when he is reading and writing he does not go out much and we only see him at luncheon and dinner it is nearly luncheon now patricia caught the girl's slim hand let us go in now she said i am hungry mara but i don't believe you are a fairy like you lives on apricots and dewberries with purple grapes green figs and mulberries who said that asked mara smiling in her dreamy fashion titania said it and shakespeare put the words into her mouth mara i must educate you in english literature you knew nothing of browning when i quoted him lately and now i see that you have not read shakespeare's plays this is dreadful mara shrugged her thin shoulders i don't care for reading patricia it is much nicer to walk about under the open sky i don't wish to become like theodore and father they stay indoors everlastingly do they never go away for a change rarely both theodore and father have been in london lately theodore came back first and then father came last week with you 
are you sorry he brought me asked patricia slipping her arm impulsively round the girl's waist no said mara in so emotional a fashion that patricia felt chilled i like you as you don't worry me miss tibbets always worried me with lessons but you must be educated mara why i don't see the use of learning things patricia looked at her curiously for although she had been studying the girl for several days mara was still an enigma to her mr colpster's only daughter and only child was undersized and slim graceful in figure and movements and clever enough in spite of her dreamy ways to look after herself in a very thorough fashion patricia did not at all agree with mrs sellers use of the word weak as applied to mara for that young lady made shrewd remarks at times which showed a capable character but there was something decidedly elfish about the girl both in looks and ways mara's pale golden locks and pale blue eyes and pale complexion presented her to the onlooker as a somewhat shadowy creature her silent movements and low voice and frequent lack of conversation gave the same impression patricia could not get near the shy soul clothed in this fragile tentless body she seemed to be scarcely human but to be compounded of moonlight and grey mist containing in herself all that was melancholy in nature the warmth and tropical luxuriance of beckley did not suit her personality she should have been placed in some sad antique temple isolated on a lonely plain and under sombre skies the irish girl was warm human life-loving and affectionate so it was difficult to make friends with this undine so chill and distant in her ways and looks patricia began to think that after all the salary she had thought so large was not too much seeing that she had to warm this statue into life but how to set about the task she did not know what do you like doing she asked as they walked towards the house nothing don't you get bored not at all i mara hesitated then turned her pale blue eyes on the flushed and lovely face of her companion i dream she said quietly what do you dream about asked patricia curiously mara passed her pale hand across her pale forehead i can hardly tell you she said in her low voice which suggested softly breathing midnight winds there is something wanting something wanting to bring back that which i dream about but what do you dream about persisted miss carroll more puzzled than ever as she looked at mara's pale pathetic face the something will tell me when it brings it back brings what back that which i dream about and that is i don't know the conversation was turning in a circle and mara was repeating her answers as was patricia her questions some invisible barrier divided the two girls and although patricia wished in order to earn her salary honestly to break it down mara apparently did not neither in look nor gesture did she make any advance so miss carroll could do nothing but sigh over the difficulty of the problem which she had to solve and renew her walk towards the house 
mara followed in silence not sullen at being questioned and not angry she was simply indifferent the colpster homestead was two-story and rambling confusedly composed of various styles of architecture the oldest portion was tudor and had been built by amyas the founder of the family when he had first set up his tent in this solitary spot later colpsters had added and taken away so that one wing was wanting while the other was of jacobean style on one side also there stood a square georgian block of many rooms comfortable but ugly the effect of this mass of different orders of architecture was to make the entire dwelling look picturesque if not strictly beautiful time also had mellowed the whole to lovely restful hues and nature had clothed many eyesores with trailing ivy and virginian creeper indeed so thickly were the walls covered with living vegetation that it looked as though the loosely built untidy dwelling was fastened to the emerald sward of the lawns or as patricia thought halting on the doorstep for a single moment as though the building had sprang therefrom in a single night like a mushroom and the house dwelt in and fondled and loved for many generations had about it a warm homely feeling of intimate humanity but over it as the girl again observed with a shiver ever hung the angry red-faced cliff menacing and sinister the interior of the mansion was as jumbled so to speak as its outside for various additions and alterations and removals had destroyed the original plan of the dwelling if indeed it ever had possessed any such design some rooms had doors leading to others passages twisted and turned in a most bewildering manner and a few ended in blank walls a stranger would find himself stepping down into one room and up into another as the flooring of the whole house was irregular and there were narrow doors and broad doors many of the windows were diamond-paned casements while others presented a large surface of modern glass grates were here and vast open fireplaces there and many rooms were as dark as others were light the house both pleased and irritated as everywhere the visitor came upon unexpected corners or was brought up short before closed entrances it was a nightmare house and like none that patricia used to extreme modernity had ever entered the furniture and furnishing of the many rooms was also fantastic and here patricia saw more plainly the effects of colpster's narrow income as everything was old-fashioned and worn the carpets and hangings the paper covering the walls and the paintings adorning the ceiling were shabby and faded the drawing-room was filled with chippendale tables sheraton chairs fender stools of the albert period and empire sofas covered with worn brocade while the dining-room had merely a horsehair mahogany suite aggressively slippery the whole house looked shabby and was shabby yet the hand of time had so coordinated the furniture and decorations of various epochs that the effect of the whole was beautiful the sombre family portraits the tarnished silver ornaments the subdued hues of curtains and carpets all gave the dwelling a refined air there was nothing modern or garish or machine-made about the place 
everything looked mellow suitable old-world and slightly melancholy it was a house to dream in as it was filled with drowsy suggestions a mansion of meditation as the grounds without were the gardens of sleep no wonder mara was given to vague visions a stronger person would have succumbed to the somniferous influence of the place the luncheon-table laid with snow-white linen glittering with diamond-cut glass and heavy old-fashioned silver looked very attractive in the soft light of the large room which stole in through quaint casements patricia anxious to take up her household duties had arranged the decorations of the table and was rapidly getting into the swing of her domestic duties she found the servants dull and out of date but very obedient and although with the privilege of old retainers they grumbled at many of her innovations they did what she asked them to do mr colter congratulated her on her successful debut on this very occasion you are a born housekeeper miss carroll he said when he took his place at the head of the table looking leaner and more like a student than ever i used to look after my father's house before he died said patricia with a sigh and he was very particular he was even as a boy i remember him at sandhurst were you at sandhurst remarked the girl looking at her host who did not in any way resemble a military man colpster laughed in his silent fashion <laughs> oh yes i had thoughts of winning the v c and so tormented my father to make me a soldier but i soon grew tired of the army as i had not the necessary money to keep it up i therefore retired when my father died and have vegetated here ever since i hope you don't find our life here too dull miss carroll and he looked anxiously towards the bright face of the girl i like it replied patricia absently it is such a rest after the rush and worry of london by the way mr colpster i wish you would not call me miss carroll it sounds so stiff patricia then said the squire genially and with a bright look in his usually sad eyes which showed that he was pleased it is a very charming name and suits he made an old-world bow a very charming young lady the girl laughed and coloured and bowed in return then to turn the conversation which was becoming too complimentary she glanced at the vacant place opposite to that of mara's where is mr dane she asked abruptly talk of angels and you hear their wings said the squire for at that moment the door opened to admit the eldest nephew theodore was tall and rather stout with a heavy face by no means attractive his skin was pale and he possessed very bright blue eyes and reddish hair worn as was his uncle's rather long his jaw was of the bulldog order and with this and his bulky figure to say nothing of the piercing look in his eyes he appeared to be rather a formidable personage but he was so good-natured and conversational that patricia liked him and thought which was probably true that his bark was much worse than his bite he dressed much more carefully than did mr colpster and one noticeable point about him were his delicate white hands which he was rather fond of using to emphasize his conversation patricia guessed that the man was proud of those hands as one of his rare good points and liked to draw attention to their perfection 
i am sorry that i am late miss carroll said theodore sitting down with an alacrity surprising in so heavy a man i was taken up with a new manuscript which i acquired when i was in london what is it about asked patricia politely occult matters you would not understand even if i explained theodore stopped then looked into her face and added yet you are irish what has that got to do with your remark mr dane only this that the celt is usually more in touch with the unseen than is the saxon i come of the latter race and have no psychic powers but i think you have miss carroll what do you mean exactly by psychic powers you can see things and feel things which is more than many people can do by reason of their limitations ah he looked at her sharply as he saw her face change you have felt something or you have seen something well yes answered patricia and regretted the admission at the moment she was thinking of the mikado jewel and her sensations when holding it fearful of being ridiculed she had not said anything even to mr colpster about this and did not wish to speak even to theodore although she guessed from his talk that he was less sceptical about such things than the ordinary man i may tell you about my experience some day she added quickly seeing from his face that he was about to press his questions not now theodore nodded i shall keep you to your promise he said alertly and we might try some experiments mara won't let me experiment with her i don't like your experiments theodore said mara quietly and looking up with a nervous look on her pale face they are dangerous there is always danger my dear girl when one is exploring a new country and the realms of the unseen are new to us your dreams mara flushed never mind about my dreams she said frowning and with a sudden glance at patricia and never mind continuing this unwholesome conversation said mr colpster who had been opening letters it is not good for mara by the way basil is coming home in three days his ship is at falmouth oh i am so glad cried mara delightedly i love basil he is a dear let us hope that miss carroll will love him also said theodore grimly i love everybody who is nice to me said patricia laughing although she wondered why mr dane made such a remark oh basil will be nice he's a universal lover scoffed the man shrugging patricia looked at him sharply and noticed the acrid tone it seemed to her that theodore was not fond of his brother i wonder why she asked herself but naturally could obtain no reply to such an intimate question End of chapter seven